Welcome to the Healthy Compulsive Project Podcast, where you can take a deep dive to explore the pitfalls and potential of the obsessive compulsive personality, offering hope and help for perfectionists, workaholics, micromanagers, type A personality, and control freaks. The Ten Commandments of the Obsessive Compulsive Personality Posted September 26, 2023. I was working with a client recently when we realized that his ideals had become commandments. What had originally seemed simply like the best way to do things had become decrees, followed with absolute religious commitment as if his salvation was at stake. These commandments had helped him succeed in his career, but they made him unhappy and caused problems in his relationship. This isn't unusual, and it's understandable. It's neither intentional nor conscious, but commandments can give us a sense of assurance that we're doing the right thing, and for many of us, that's a big thing. Rules, Commandments, and Religion Commandments imply objective truth. The etymology of the word refers to an order from an authority. When we adopt commandments, there is an implication that we're signing on to a moral insurance plan backed by the powers that be. But who is this authority, and why do we give it so much power? We can't avoid a discussion of religion at this point. It seems to be a natural function of the psyche to seek transcendent meaning. Which is not to say that it always goes well, but that it's more ingrained both socially and genetically, than you might think. Many people do not consider themselves religious these days, but it seems that when there is no concrete, conscious choice of religion, another set of values rushes in to fill the vacuum. Perfection is just one of many that can take over this religious instinct. It could also be sex, money, or pickleball. As Bob Dylan warned us, you're going to have to serve somebody. So while I could just go on about the 10 most popular compulsive rules, I've chosen to pontificate about commandments instead because I believe that what we might call rules often take up more space and take on a deeper dimension than the term rule would imply. Commandments become far more absolute and intractable. To simply call them rules misses their severity. Rules are created to help us live in a safe, predictable, and efficient world. Rules seem human-made, and therefore changeable, so rules don't carry the same weight as commandments. Commandments take on a life of their own. They answer to no one, and they really hate it when we answer no to them. But we still follow these commandments with the hope that doing so proves that we're good, that we haven't crossed over to the dark side and become sofa spuds. They serve a function— but not one that Oprah would have put on a list of healthy life strategies. The commandments that we adopt are defensive, protecting us against real or imagined charges of lethargy, weakness, and depravity. Just a note here, I'm not referring to the Ten Commandments in the Judeo-Christian tradition. While we could have a discussion about how people understand and live those commandments, in this post I'm writing about the commandments that we create. The Ten Commandments of the Obsessive-Compulsive Personality 
Based on personal and professional observation, here's my best guess as to what the commandments that people with OCP adopt most often are. Number one, I will never make mistakes. Number two, I will always keep things in order and I will never leave a mess. Number three, I will always be productive and I will never waste time. Number four, I will never waste money. Number five, I will always do what I say I will do. Number six, I will always tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, no matter who it hurts, so help me God. Number seven, I will never be late, even if it doesn't matter. Number eight, I will never let others get away with doing or saying the wrong thing. Partners and bad drivers, beware. Number nine, I will never disappoint others. Number 10, I will always complete my work before relaxing. There are, of course, differences among people with obsessive-compulsive tendencies. Those who are more obsessive might say, I will never start a project until I know it can be perfect. Those who are more compulsive would say, I will never finish a project until it is perfect. Both have their commandments. These commandments constitute the compulsive Bible, the instructions we live by no matter what. The Poisonwood Commandments There's a good story about this. In her novel, The Poisonwood Bible, Barbara Kingsolver tells the tale of Nathan Price, a Baptist minister whose mission to enforce God's commandments drove him and his family on a painful journey through Africa. I should say his version of God's commandments drove them there. The result is a morality tale for people with obsessive-compulsive tendencies. Price deserts his battalion after being injured in battle in World War II and is the only one who survives. He concludes that he's a coward and, after the war, gets religion in a big way. He tries to compensate for his cowardice by becoming a preacher, a soldier of the Lord, fearlessly brandishing commandments like a sword wherever he sees iniquity. Upon arrival in Africa, his family is treated to a feast and celebration by the natives. Price returns the favor by quoting scripture and preaching against the sin of nakedness. This to a crowd where most of the small children have no clothes and the women haven't gotten the email about covering their breasts. Damn the relationships. Commandments rule. As his daughter Rachel says, Father would soon watch us all perish one by one than listen to anybody but himself. This is because he believes his commandments arrived plug and play directly from God. And because he needs to prove himself worthy after abandoning his comrades in the war, he executes his commandments with the intensity of someone desperate for refuge from the self-attack of a shark-infested conscience. In his efforts to speak the native language, Kikongo, he uses a word which can mean precious, but the way he uses it means poison wood. So when he says, Tata Jesus is Bangala, he thinks he's saying Father Jesus is precious, but instead he says Father Jesus is poison wood. Now, poison wood is a type of sumac tree that causes a painful, itchy rash. Make a Bible out of that and you're in for trouble. In psychoanalysis, we call this a Freudian slip. The accident has meaning intended by the unconscious, not by consciousness. 
It reveals his reverence for suffering. He confuses the tree that causes so much pain with that which is precious. He loses track of what's really important or precious, and he preaches the gospel of poison wood, which is about suffering. His daughter wrote years later, I am born of a man who believed he could tell nothing but the truth while he set down for all time the Poisonwood Bible. That's the point about the Poisonwood Bible. It's his version of the good news and the Ten Commandments, not God's, and it hurts anyone who touches it. Price conducts all of his relationships and delivers all of his sermons with the cluelessness and insensitivity of a lobotomized reptile. He urges members of his congregation to get baptized in the river, oblivious to the fact that the river is infested with crocodiles and children have already been had for dinner there far too many times. Price decided that it was a commandment to be baptized in a river. Nothing else would do. The family meets another missionary who clearly has a different interpretation of the Bible. He's committed to serving the local people rather than converting them. He's a backslider in Price's opinion. But King Solver sends us a message. Religion doesn't have to go down Price's Poisonwood way. Price took things that seemed ideal to him, things that may have seemed beneficial to some folks back in Georgia, and made globalized, absolute commands out of them. It can be ideal to have a spiritual practice, to try to live with virtue, to spread good news, and to be of assistance. Maybe it's not even a bad idea to host a ritual like baptism wherein people feel rejuvenated and cleansed of their sins by simply getting dunked in the water. But Price converts these ideals into commandments. He presents classic OCPD symptoms at the furthest end of the healthy-unhealthy spectrum. He's the bossy type to boot. He justifies his domineering, rigid style with his role as father and minister. Stubborn as all get-out, he keeps the family in Africa long after it's clear it's become too dangerous and they should be heading home. He converts no one. He alienates everyone, including his family. Here's the takeaway for people with obsessive-compulsive personality. Don't confuse your ideals with an objective absolute that applies to everyone in all situations. King Solver helps us to vicariously and viscerally experience the suffering that results when we follow rules literally and rigidly. In the same way that she describes a Congo colonized by Westerners with tragic consequences, I see individuals and families that are colonized by commandments not native or natural to them with equally tragic consequences. Most of us are repelled by the sort of proselytizing Nathan Price did, But if we turn our own ideals into commandments with the expectation that others will comply and that we'll feel more secure, are we any different? The need for commandments. Why would anyone do this to themselves, set such harsh standards? I've already mentioned one possibility, but I'll add two more. One, in order to compensate for a sense of moral defectiveness. Two, to preempt criticism or attacks from other moral police. Three, a lack of trust in oneself. If you don't trust yourself to behave appropriately, you bolt yourself down with commandments so that you don't go flying off to party land with the Kardashians. I would suggest questioning each of these motivations. One, 
Do you really need to prove your virtue? And if so, to whom? 2. Do you really want to give over so much power to keep from getting in trouble with people who themselves have been commandeered by commandments? 3. Are you really so depraved that you need to wear a moral chastity belt to stay out of trouble? Releasing Commandments My role as a therapist is not to tell people what their ideals, rules, or commandments should be, but it is to help them sort out these possibilities consciously. So here are a few questions to ask yourself. I suggest writing out your reflections so you can keep your focus. Do I live by ideals or commandments? What are my top ten? How do I arrive at them? Is there an objective basis for them? Do they serve integrity or insecurity? Do they lead me to well-being or to satisfaction? What keeps me hanging on to them? To slightly paraphrase Albert Camus, integrity has no need of commandments. Neither does fulfillment. You can find transcripts of this podcast with links to research sources and lots more at the Healthy Compulsive blog, www.thehealthycompulsive.com. If you'd like to subscribe to the Healthy Compulsive podcast, hit that subscribe button. And for a thorough guide to cultivating the positive potential of the compulsive personality, find my book on Amazon, The Healthy Compulsive, Healing Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder and Taking the Wheel of the Driven Personality. And if you find any of these helpful, let others know by leaving a review. Till next time, enjoy the drive.